I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means to be Jewish in the world today. Welcome to Tehillah Talks, Julian and Jasmine. It's great to be doing this. This is the last episode we're going to be doing this year with just the two of you. We have one more episode to record. And uh, we began the year talking about endings. And you said, let's talk about endings again. So we'll come, we'll create a complete circle, which is appropriate. And the ending we're talking about now is really you're coming to the end of your high school career. Mm-hmm. Also my internship here. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I, <laughs> I mean, yes, I will be bereft. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jasmine has been my intern for the last uh, half year. And uh, it has meant that I have this wonderful person to bounce off my crazy ideas on. Right? Mm-hmm. I, have, I have ideas and I share them with her and then... Some come to fruition and some don't, but that's okay. And Julian, you're, you're finishing your junior year, and that's yeah. a pretty big deal. Yeah. It's pretty intense right now because I still have my finals coming up, but it is, like, satisfying to get to the end. And next year, it's all this other stuff coming down the pike. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just, right. And for us at Tehila, we're starting a whole new chapter as we do a self-exploration. So in many ways, it's, a, it's an ending, but it's also a beginning. Every time you have an ending, you have yeah. a beginning. I think that was something we touched on when we first talked about it. It's like, it's, when you start talking about endings, it's hard not to also talk about beginnings. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, like, for me and, like, what ending was happening right now, it's like, oh, I'm going to college in two months. But that's really more of an, a beginning than an ending. But it's kind of impossible to talk about the things that are ending without also talking about things that are beginning. Because it's very rare that something, like, every time something ends, something new happens. So is that, like, a muscle that we need to have? Mm-hmm. Did you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to see endings as the beginning of something else. Exactly, yeah. so, so that it becomes a muscle that we use. So I, you know, I did a little a little homework thinking about what's going on in the Torah portion and thinking about that. And we've got the beginning of uh, Bamidbar, which means in the wilderness. And the wilderness is a kind of, this is a book that's kind of an interregnum period. It's a time to get your stuff together. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the whole book begins with the description of their order of march of the people. And yeah. how many people? And 600,000. Yeah, 600,000 people. Plus, plus families. Plus families. Yeah. And they have a specific order in which they have yeah. to march. In some ways, it's the end of being a disorganized rabble. They still have to get out of the habit of that. Well, Egypt was only like around a million people. So it's pretty unlikely that it was that number. But Of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. I think... Yeah, the rabbis like to say it's because that's how many uh, words there were in the Torah. I mean, you know, yeah. I I don't know how many people left. That really doesn't mm-hmm. quite matter. It just, but it's a new beginning as they're getting themselves organized, and everybody has a role. And so, as opposed to talking about endings, it's for both of you. I think you're in a place where you're trying to figure out your role, your identity, mm-hmm. what matters to you. Would you say that? So yeah, yeah for sure. 
I guess, like, for me, like, you talk about, like, organization and stuff. I think on a very superficial level, like, my current ending and beginning is very much about that in a way. Like, I'm going to be moving into a different space and I'm going to have a bit of a clean slate to, like, get my stuff together, you know? Yeah. And, like, be able to... Reinvent yourself. <laughs> yeah, or, like, not, like... Like, I don't necessarily want to, like, oh, leave behind the old version of myself <laughs> and be reborn, but, like, I want to have, like, a completely blank space, like, physical space <laughs> that I can, like, I can start folding things better. <laughs> and, like, like, and that kind of, like, it's just nice to have, to be able to, like, be like, oh, this is over, and then I can start something new instead of having to, like, deal with a mess, you know? It's like I, 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 I do know. I know it really well. I know that whenever I started in a semester in rabbinical school, I was all ex- I was like a little kid. I had to go buy pens. Mm-hmm. I had to get new notebooks. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was that you know that starting that clean page, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then all of a sudden I was in the middle of the muddle all over again. Mm-hmm. But at the start, there's a sense of yeah. mm-hmm. starting fresh for you. I don't think I have a lot of those experiences of like starting fresh because. At least it feels like with my school, I'm kind of always, like, playing catch-up in a way. Like, even if I do have the new pens and the new notebooks, it does still feel, like, very chaotic no matter what. Mm -hmm. But that might just be me. But I think, like, you were saying searching for meaning. Like, I think that's something I've been doing a lot recently is trying to find, like, new purpose and, like, like, new motivation, I guess, almost. Like, and I think I've been trying to do that by doing things I wouldn't ordinarily do and it's actually so pushing yourself yeah yeah and just pushing kind of yourself like, through new boundaries yeah just letting things like kind of happen and see where it takes me which like it's been pretty exciting I would say like one example is I, I just like walked into this classroom at my school and they were playing like Bollywood music and I was like oh this music is really cool like I really like this and then I was kind of like they were like oh do you want to be in the Bollywood dance and I've never done a single day of dancing in my life like you guys know me I'm not super like I'm not you know a dancer but I was like you know what maybe like I walked into this room for a reason and like maybe this is gonna be like an exciting experience and it was it was really amazing so like I'm gonna try to do more of that in the future instead of like predetermining so another kind of new beginning is is ending that thing of well this is who I am yeah (laughs) and I can't be anybody else I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to expand who I am. My, my dad always said that you have to try a new thing every single day. And, uh, that's what you try. Life gets pretty. (laughs) It's a pretty deep message of, you know, always becoming and never standing still. And we all know standing still is never really an option. Yeah. Yeah. I need a fidget too, so I can literally yeah. never sit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I feel like, like in terms of like trying new things and how that comes into play with endings, like since I'm like sort of facing the end of my childhood or like New York life, yeah. it's like I haven't really like things that used to be like really scary. I haven't been afraid of, like, I've been talking to people that I haven't talked to before. I've been trying to, I think when endings um, start becoming more, uh, like, yeah, 
I wanted to phrase that in like a cooler way, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But like when endings a- approach, it's like you start losing that insecurity or like fear. Well, that's not true for everybody. I yeah, think that's a really. Or I do, but you know, for some people, endings are are frightening and freeze them. And so, part of my thinking when I was thinking about the the Torah portion is that. Finding your place and your role doesn't happen overnight and that there's this process. So it's an, an ongoing situation. I mean, if it just from a very practical, this, this image of you're carrying this heavy object through the desert and there are poles running through it. And John is in front and Paul is in back and Jacob is in the middle and that's not the right way. Jacob just can't be the middle guy holding. They've got to switch positions until they get the right configuration of where you ought to be. If they're paying, if, if they're paying attention to each other, then you, then you come to the place you need to be. And even then you don't want to stay there all the time because things are going to change. I think like people want stability and security. um, And they think that they're going to find that in constants, but in my opinion, it's impossible to achieve constants. So, like, the only option is to accept that things change and to be comfortable with change. And I think that's how you find real stability. I think, yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. That's mm-hmm. the exact Like tension. surfboarding. Absolutely. Like, instead of just, like, planting. I don't know. I'm going to stop it, doing this metaphor. But. <laughs> no, but it's, I think you're abs- 100% right. Because for people who look for stability, control, absolute rules, mm-hmm. sooner or later they're going to be knocked off balance, and it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's better to be like a palm tree, you know? You yeah. sort of go with the wind a bit, and yeah. I make that adjustment. It, it's not... Or, like, have... Like, everything in your life that's, like, permanent, have it be, make it flexible, you know? Like, don't make anything, don't make your, like, happiness and security depend on anything, like... But on the other hand, what, or, are, you, what are you having, what, what keeps you grounded in the midst of all this change mm-hmm. coming your way? You have to have something yeah. that grounds you. I think a sense of purpose. That's like, what I was yeah. going to say. Like, have, like, a, like, I think, mm, I'm saying this, like, I have a sense of self. I don't, I'm 18, but like <laughs> if you have um, like a sense of self and a sense of purpose and like those things that aren't necessarily tangible, but that you'll always have, like that's something that you can rely on more than like outside circumstances because those are always, you can, well, like, yeah, oh, you can always lose you that. You can transport yeah. them. Yeah. Well, the it's, Israelites had like reaching. The promised land is their motivation. Like, if they'd wandered for 400 years in the desert for no reason, they would have just been wanderers. <laughs> like, you know, they're not going anywhere, so. Having having an objective, whether yeah. you, at, or a goal, whether you meet it or not, is definitely helpful. But then, even as you do that, you want to have some guideposts as to how you do that. What's your moral center? What's... What's okay to do and not okay to yeah. do. I mean, I and think, when you, and when you screw up, yeah. How do you keep going? I think personally, like this is going to sound pretty like cynical, but I don't think I have any of that in my life right now. I mean, this just might be like I'm a little stressed out about school at the moment, but 
I think I kind of just exist for the sake of it right now. Like, you know, I go to school, I do my work because that's what they tell me to do. You know, I go home, I do my homework and then I go to sleep. And it's like, there's no, you know, there's no morality in that, I guess. You know, I'm not doing things for anybody else. But you are. Every day. But you are. I try to find little things like. Well, that's more than many people do. Yeah. Yeah. This is like this podcast is maybe like my biggest (laughs) contribution to society (laughs) at the moment. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's also hard to find like a greater sense of purpose. Like that's yeah. that's something that I don't think like just uh, it's like really difficult to think about like what do I want to do? Why am I here? Like what but that's like stuff that you have your whole life to figure out, you know? Yeah. Like I don't think anyone has that figured out in their teens, you know? Yeah, but I, I but the fact that you guys are even thinking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, somebody was telling us uh, about someone they knew who is in the farming community and who's who voted in the current president. And this friend of ours asked, said, did you do any research before mm-hmm. you voted? And the person said no. And then the, he gave him some stuff to read. And he said, well, maybe I shouldn't have. And said, well, you know, would you do it again? And he said, well, I always vote the way my parents do. Yeah. And this person is in their 40s. And so they're not reflective, right? And I think, here's where I think the difference is. You've grown up in a world that demands that you be reflective. You've grown up in a community that says, ask your questions. Yeah. Your questions matter. Think about it, and we'll and we'll grapple together, and don't take it at face value. So that's another way of coping with the beginnings and endings. That's what I was saying before. It, it's that formation that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, don't sell yourself short, yeah. Julian. <laughs> I mean, that reminds me. Like my best friend, um, he's like become kind of a Trump supporter, which is like you know his parents are immigrants. Like you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but. I think it, like, at first I just kind of, like, piled on my reasonings for not liking the president and, like, you know, things he'd done and things he'd said and, like, the possible consequences. But I think I really needed to respect that my friend had kind of just reached his own conclusion. Like, I don't think it came from the best. Like, I don't think he read the best sources. And, like, yeah, I don't think he did, like, a crazy amount of research. But, you know, sometimes you also have to accept, like, opinions that... Don't that you don't ag- that yeah. don't you don't agree with, yeah. yeah, and that's also a sign of of becoming is that we can't always agree on everything, and it's about mutual respect. And mm-hmm. if you care about somebody else, you're going to care about somebody else. Yeah, yeah. and I also feel like you sh- like change doesn't happen by like dismissing people. Like I don't think you can change someone's opinion if you actually are like believe that they have wrong information or wrong sources, you're not going to change their opinion by being like, oh, you're stupid, you know? And, like, actually, you're wrong. Like, you have to listen to people's reasoning, and you have to have an open mind. Because you're... If you don't trust your own opinion enough to listen to other people and open yourself up to the possibility of that changing, then you can't be sure, you know, you can't be sure of your own opinion. Like, I feel like... In order to change someone else's opinion, you have to be open for them changing your opinion. Not, and like, that's not me saying. You have to put equal value to both of them. Yeah. Which I think is something people like struggle with enormously. Yeah, but I just, I don't think. It's not even about necessarily even equal value, but it's just about recognizing that 
because you're gonna your values mm-hmm. are your values. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. I think it's about having respect and seeing that other person and hearing what they have to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, I'm I'm also trying to like, I mean, something that I'm trying to do going forward is like being willing to change my values. I guess, or, like, being willing to change my opinions or ideologies, you know? Because, like, this is, like, a very specific example, but I was in my college class at Lehman College, and the professor was like, oh, racist, the idea of race is something that's, like, only a few hundred years old. It's not, like, Mm -hmm. it's not an absolute. And I was like, at first, you know, I'm very confident in my own opinion, so I was like, no, you know, what? And then I thought about it more and more, and I was like, wait, he's right. Like, this makes a lot of sense. It's not a biological thing. It was literally created um, to, because you can But it's so difficult to, like, break out of your own perception because so much of how at least I perceive the world has to do with race like so much of how we perceive the modern world is Mm -hmm. like categorizing people by race yeah it is so because I mean if you think about it it's like you can't discriminate against people on that um large of a scale unless you're a sociopath without like (laughs) (laughs) without like classifying them as some like particular thing that's different from your own So, like, you can be, like, they're this thing and they're not as human as me, yeah. you know? But even, like, even a professor who's, like, a literal expert, I yeah. was still, like, no, I'm I'm smart. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. And then, it, you know, if I hadn't been, like, willing to sit there and think about it, I would never would have, like, you know, I wouldn't, that never would have registered with me, I guess. So mm-hmm. that, that was, like, a kind of a mind-opening experience for me because I was just, like, wow, I could really be wrong about major things, yeah. you know? Imagine that, Julie. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't, you could like, be wrong It's about like something. things you never question. Like, not, yeah, I don't know. I, I just wish, like, more people would view, like, learning new things as exciting as opposed to, like, a blow to their ego, you know? Yeah. Like, I had a recent run-in with um, my internship coordinator, which I won't go in <laughs> depth about. But it was, like, I... Th- thought I was giving him some constructive criticism and he was responding really badly to it. And it's just um, Did he ask for the criticism? No. Okay. But <laughs> but I still feel like like yeah. when you go through life it's like distasteful to be so like dismiss other people's experiences because you don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, or like you didn't walk in their shoes. Yeah. Yeah. It's em- it goes back to empathy. Like almost every podcast we do, yeah. empathy, but like it's like empathy is really important, and like it's important to if you want to change people's opinions, you have to empathize with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and if you want, if you want to grow as a person, you have to empathize with other people. It's like, yeah. like the key to everything. I I had an experience recently where um, someone, while I was teaching, not from the not from our community, approached me and um, engaged me in, shall we say, a very deep conversation. And I realized I had to be use all of my energy to be fully present, to really listen, to really engage. And this was, you know, a kind of conversation that most people don't ask me to engage in mm-hmm. about about Judaism uh, and really pushing me to articulate that which I don't often have to articulate because it's but the only way I could do that was by listening to what he wanted to know what did he want to know I'm very he, he wanted to know about uh, moral certainty 
What does that mean? Meaning that there is that there's one right way to do things that yeah. that lies. We were talking about this in my U.S. in my and and. There isn't. (laughs) Morality is subjective. Morality and and ethics, you know, within the tradition, there's this notion of the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah Tov, the evil inclination and the the positive inclination. And now we know, there's this little voice that goes off in our heads that we know that when we're doing something wrong. I mean, it goes back to when you're a a little kid and you go in the candy store and you maybe grab a piece of bubble gum and you don't pay for it. Uh, You know... You know, not supposed to do that. That's not what you're supposed to do. I want, yeah. But you know exactly when you're not supposed to do something. And but how much of that is an effect of society? That's it what is. I wonder. It's, it's like it's, it's almost all. I feel right? it is, it, and it's and it's about the environment that you grow up in. And if you grow up in a society that says grab what you can, then that that yeah. that voice is going to be absent because yeah. you need that whatever, you know, Lim is, right? He steals that loaf of bread because he's got to yeah, eat. See, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I do think there's some parts of conscious and morality that you're born with, like, because I think human beings are social and they don't want, I mean, functioning human beings for, like, survival. They don't want to hurt other people. They want to be um, in a pack, so it's like, I think yeah. some of that is natural, but the rules, I think we learn the rules of our society and our culture, and we fit that into our morality, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how, like, it's sculpted. But I don't think it's entirely constructed. I don't think consciousness, or like, like a conscience is entirely constructed. because A conscience in, in the sense of, like, morality? In the sense just... of, like, in the sense of, like, I don't want to do that, it's wrong. You know? I think it is. I mean, really? I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm not a neurological expert, but, like, I think it, it it kind of only makes sense in the context of society. Like, how are you, you know, if you haven't, if you have never seen a piece of bubble gum, like, you're not going to know it's stealing. But, but for instance, what's going on today in our world, we are not protesting things that we would have been protesting 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, and our social consciousness... Because it's so overwhelming mm-hmm. that although for some people it's, you know, therapists are all talking about um, that more and more of their clients are coming in with greater levels of anxiety because of what's going on in the world. But because people feel unable to do anything, uh, the lack of, of being able to take an action is a really difficult piece of all of this. I think we're in a time of, of rapid change and having nothing to do with the White House. I think it has to do with technology and all these other things. So the ability for you guys, as starting your lives, to say, okay, I have to be as mobile, as inventive, as flexible as I can while still keeping in touch with who my core self is, what makes up the core. Mm -hmm. I don't envy you that. I mean, I, I still have to do that for myself, but I've got a couple of years on you here, so I can maybe do that more easily. But I think that's the challenge. What's your core as these changes? Yeah. I don't know. I think memory, come, like, at least for me, like, a lot of what I feel makes me me is, like, the memory of past things, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, this is maybe a little bit unrelated, but at least for me as a teenager, like, 
I'll think I'm really cool one second, and then like a few months later, I'll look back and I'm just like, wow, I was a huge dork. Like, <laughs> and that's just constantly happening to me. So I have very little like, that I have very little confidence that I'm yeah. But, so part of it is, you know, what you accomplished by doing your bar mitzvah when you did it. Yeah. You've always got that. Yeah. You can always I, take I that was, out and look at it. I was always very ready to disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, you know, that can be a huge flaw. But like, I think in that case, it was really good because I at least didn't see the meaning in starting, you know, we're talking about cycles, but like starting my life as a Jewish person on like a false note. And I think I was really fortunate to have an experience that like turned that turned me around to it. But, you know, I'm also like, I'm also open to new experiences in a way. I guess that makes sense. Like, I still feel very strongly like the sentiment I felt when I was bar mitzvahed. But I'm also like, I'm still willing to learn more and like feel more. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> I would definitely hope so. And, you know, I, I think for Jasmine, you be the, the explorer, the, uh, you know, you came in and, and you <laughs> brought your parents with you. Yeah. Um, that... Dragging them in. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, guys, it's I asked. the opposite for my family. <laughs> have I ever told, like, the story of how I asked for a mezuzah on my, like, third birthday? Yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a really weird kid. Wait, so, like, you just, how did yeah. you even? So, I asked my dad for a mezuzah, and he was like, no. Um, <laughs> or he was like, why do you want a mezuzah? <laughs> Um, you know, not that he was like totally against it, but he, it was just a weird Question request. From, yeah. to, I was like two. And it was because I saw it on Fiddler on the Roof. And then like months later, like my birthday was coming up and I was like, my dad was like, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, I want a mezuzah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like, okay. <laughs> um, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I definitely did. I was just always very interested in learning about culture yeah. and like what my culture was. What your heritage was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like, you know, you're jumping off into, into new spaces, both of you. And it's exciting. I don't think I am. I, I mean, I well, don't want to contradict you, like the premise of well, the, the podcast. Well, well, here's why I think you are, Julianne. Yeah. Because next year you're going to do that thing that Jasmine did this year, which is that whole college, Michigas. Yeah, it is a Michigas. It's a it's a war zone out there. It's a war zone out there. But the truth is, and what you may hopefully discover, is that there's a place for everybody. Yeah, that's something that's like very hard for me to picture. I guess going into the college process because my school is like very prestigious. It has a lot of like very driven students. And, like, they're all talking about, you know, like, Ivy League-level institutions. And mm-hmm. At least, personally, I don't have anywhere close to the grades for that. Yeah. So, I think trying to envision, envision a future for myself where, like, I'm happy and successful but not at one of those schools has been very challenging. But, like, I also know about myself that I've never been the type to kind of go on the, like, the beaten path. And, like, I've, like... Something that's served me so, so well has been, like, finding my own way to do things. I, so that's, yeah. that's what I'm talking yeah. about. I, so yeah. for you, this process is, you don't have to do it the way anybody else it's, does it. But it's still scary because, like, it's still so scary because, you know, it's a, it's basically a lottery. So mm-hmm. the perfect college for me might turn me down. Yeah, I have advice. Okay. 
so I also did not get great grades. And everyone thought I was going to get rejected from everywhere. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> I got rejected from almost nowhere. And it's like they don't care that much about grades because yeah. it's like it's overrated at this point. Like as long as you can present yourself well, you do a lot of extracurriculars. Like yeah, you, it's like that stuff is so much more important than like your grades. Not that grades don't matter and not that grades aren't super it's impressive. Just like- but there are other ways to demonstrate that like a college, especially a college that you would thrive at. You know, it's like a college that only cares about SAT scores or grades is not maybe, you know, ideal for you. And that's fine. Like, there's a lot of options. I guess the only problem is SUNYs care a lot about SAT scores. and Yeah. But also, like, you can get really good aid packages from private schools. Like... There, there are yeah, options. I need, I need that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but I, I, agree I don't know. For me, it's, it's challenging because like mm-hmm. I'm finishing, I stole the finals, I'm extremely terrified, <laughs> and then I have to come back in a few months and start it again, mm-hmm. and it's gonna, there's gonna be an even more stressful component added on. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like challenge that way of thinking and yeah. and find like find positives about it, but yeah. But you're not, but I think part of it is recognizing, and this is hard for each of us, to recognize that we are, may not be like anybody else. I, I went to a school with, I'm just Stuyvesant. I know all these people who went to Ivy Leagues. I was in the middle of the pack. There was no way that I was going to go to one of those schools. It, it was not happening. But right? you're still at Stuyvesant doing a lot of homework, you know? Yeah, a lot of homework. So a lot, kind of like, right, oh. right. I was doing a lot of homework. I was... Yeah. I was doing a lot of extracurricular stuff and, you know, I got into the joke of my life is that my parents knew nothing about college applications because they were immigrants. Mm-hmm. So they left it all to me. Yeah. Which is challenging. <laughs> Which is challenging. Yeah. And as a result, I applied to no state colleges. I only applied to private schools and it wasn't as expensive then as it is now. Mm-hmm. And I got into both private schools that I applied to. But where I ended up going to school was actually the best possible choice. Mm-hmm. One of them would have been in the city, and the other one was in a um, in yeah. Pennsylvania, in a small town where I think where I could we, become. Yeah, I think the more we try to like dictate the future, like the more the future is like, no, that's yeah. not what's gonna happen. That's not what's gonna happen to you. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. Like the more I'm like, okay, you know, a few months from now, I'll be, you know, I have an A plus, and yeah, da 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 da. Like, forget about it. <laughs> it's, um, This is kind of unrelated, but, like, another big life transition that I think applies to both of us is, like, I'm going to be a first-time voter in November. Yeah, I think I am, too. Yeah. So, it's like... I don't know who I'm going to vote for. Yeah, but that's, like... something else that's going to stress me out. That's, like, that's such a big transition in life, because you're, like, moving from, like, a kid to an adult. Like, I don't know. Like, that's, that's a transition. Yeah. I mean, like... But that's about the responsibility of being a full member. Hey, and I already just, pay taxes. I've been paying taxes for years. Tax? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I work a job, so they they take my money. But <laughs> so I'm like I'm like I've been ready to vote. I like, thought that kids were like tax dependent. No, um, no, 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 no. As soon as you start to I work, I wish, I wish, I wish. But yeah, I'm. This is why I babysit and <laughs> yeah, it's that's that's, 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 yeah. that's a different story. Babysitting is <laughs> a different story. So uh, yeah, very very different. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Torah portion? Like, I'm I'm curious. Well, it, any fun little things? Fun little things about these next two weeks is this week. Well, last this past week was this 
the ordering of the march and who goes where and who does what and the Mishkan is in the center. And I, what I love about this story, uh, not to repeat myself, is this, this idea, this concept that there's a center, that the tent of meeting is at the center and God's dwelling place and that everybody is arrayed in their own specific positions, which for me is a great example of how each of us is in his or her own place, and yet there's a common center that we can turn to. And if we look across the way, we see one another. I find that really empowering because it means that we're, we're in this world together, on this journey together. Coming up, coming up in just two weeks, we have Moses at, at this moment where he's just, he's had it. The people are he's complaining. Like yeah. <laughs> they are, co- exactly, just like me. They are complaining <laughs> are to such yeah. an extent that he, 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 he he's just, he, he just says, this was your sister's Torah portion, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> you remember this? It's like, what, what do you think I am, their mother, that I should be nursing them? You know, I this is way too much for me. And although God is not happy that the people are complaining about the cucumbers and the melons from Egypt and that they want meat, and they've had it with this manna, he says to Moses, God says to Moses, not he, God says to Moses, I'll send you 70 elders. The 70 elders will join you. You don't have to do this alone. And I think that message is actually true at the beginning of uh, Bamidbar in the wilderness, this, the third book of the Torah. And it's certainly true in this Torah portion in two weeks. We're not alone on this journey. Yeah. You know, there's help to be had if we ask. Maybe if we complain loud enough and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm stuck. Help. Which, is, again, goes back to why I've been so appreciative of having Jasmine around. <laughs> um, you know, having somebody else to bounce ideas off of has been really amazing for me. And, and the realization that I need to continue doing that. So that, for me, is a lesson. It's not like, oh, Jasmine's going to be gone next year and starting her, and I'm going to be doing what I do um, by myself. Or, or, you know, and Jay is leaving and he's going to Chicago. So all of that, I'm the people that I bounce off with aren't, aren't going to be around. So, okay. I'll, I'll still be here. <laughs> yeah. Call me. Uh, so that's... Just that's alone true. in a room. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a telephone. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can Zoom. Waiting. It's fine. It's, it's, all, it's all good. No, I, I, I really think that for me, it, it teaches me this very important lesson that I need to ask for help when I need it. Mm. And if I do amazingly, somebody's going to have my back. And for you, as you're going through this... My parents have my back, which I'm very grateful of. You know, because, like, some of my friends have gone through the college process without their parents' involvement, and it's, like, been extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult. Yeah. It's extremely difficult. But I think that that lesson (laughs) of of not being alone Mm -hmm. and asking for help when we need it and when we've had it to not hide away, because our society kind of says... We're not allowed. You have to be strong and tough, especially if you're a guy. I have to say that. Don't don't show any weakness. I'm breaking the molds. I'm weak, guys. (laughs) This is my political. I need a lot of help. (laughs) But I I think it's important to say I need some help. I can't do this alone. Whatever Mm -hmm. that this is, and and that's part of creating that core 
Yeah. Because it actually makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. I have a question. What was so bad about Moses, like, hitting the rock out of frustration? I don't know if you mentioned that. but like, I didn't mention it. About this. What was so bad about it? He, yeah. Like, he, wasn't, he wasn't listening. To God? He wasn't listening. Yeah, you can't and ignore God. <laughs> you can't ignore it. And God, who had already done this thing of having... His yeah. having Moses' back all those times. Though I will take Moses' part on this because this happened after his siblings died and he was probably heavy into grief. Mm-hmm. So here's an argument, which we won't get into today, but we'll probably have it in other places, is does God ever get it wrong? That's a big one. That's because a big if one. God does get it wrong, that changes all. Well, but the other, but so with hitting of the rock, so here's the other piece of that. There are those that say that this provides the excuse for Moses not to enter the land. But Moses shouldn't have entered the land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember talk, talking about this at synagogue one time. Right? It's not. It's really, it, it doesn't make sense. And the whole thing of transition of power, if you hold on to something too tight, it breaks. Yeah. And... It's funny. None of the prophets seem to stick around for that long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> none of them seem to get to old age. No, yeah. in the same way. He, he lived a full life with many transitions, with many chapters. I think, you know, all things considered, being able to see the, the land when he was taken up to up the mountain, when you're up at 50,000 feet or 10,000 feet, it all looks pretty good. How much better that than, than having to go and battle your yeah. way into a land? You know, yeah. I, I think... Conceptually, it makes so. Why was it hitting the rock? So one, what? So maybe it wasn't as significant as. Maybe it wasn't as, but it was something that we could hook onto to say, ah, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. That's why. So we'll leave it at that. Thank you both so much. No problem. We have one more podcast this summer, hopefully with Jay as he as Jay takes his leave of of Tehila. So we want to do one with him, and uh, thank you both so so very much. Thank you. No problem. A pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehila Talks. For more information about Tehila, go to congregationtehila.org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.